Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pod Central. I'm your host, Coach Chris. Today, we have very special guest, James. James is a podcast marketing specialist. He does not do launches, so do not hit him up about launching your show. But James can help you with growth and reaching your audience. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, my man. It's been a while getting organized, but I'm pleased to be here. How often are you doing podcast interviews now? Recently, I've been fairly quiet, but I was doing them like one a week. But I guess this year I've been a bit underground for a while whilst I organize some projects internally and make some changes. So I'm just reappearing in the big wide world. And I think sometimes it's good to have that time off and be behind the scenes because it just it can become a little exhausting if you're doing three to five shows a week it just adds up oh my god it becomes too much for me personally i don't want to breathe a bit here and there i agree i also think you get a little bit of blindness in terms of where you're spending your time where you're showing up and you need time away to reflect and think about your messaging and what you're trying to achieve so that you make sure that when you are giving your time and talking on shows and making content that it's worthwhile and it's aligned with what you're trying to achieve somewhere. Otherwise, you can just be a really busy fool. Exactly. So I want to start this episode off a little different. I want to ask you about some of the main things that podcasters are currently doing to market their show. And if you believe it actually helps them get listeners and build their audience. So okay, great. The, fir the first thing I had in mind was the guesting. Is having certain guests on your show interviewing them and then expecting them to promote it and share it everywhere, share it to their email list, their social following. Is that still a good way to grow your podcast in 2023? No. And I don't think it ever was a good thing. Mm. I think it's what 95% of shows are built on. What guests can I get? How big can the guest, how big is the guest? How many followers do they have? And there are always people who will argue with you in saying, yeah, but my biggest episodes have got the biggest guests and that's great. But if you want to build a really loyal, engaged audience, trying to do it through basically leeching other people's audiences isn't going to work. And if you reverse engineer this thinking, here's the reality. I might be a fan of the person. It doesn't really matter who it is. Let's say Barack Obama for the sake of this. <laughs> and if he goes on a podcast with somebody else, I don't, just because he was on that show, I probably turned up to listen to him. I'm not naturally just going to become a fan of this other show. I'm probably following Obama around and following his content because I want to learn from him. And yeah. so I've seen it firsthand in statistics on lots of occasions, just proving that it doesn't work. You've got to have a reason if you are going to try and use that methodology You've got to find a way, a hook to get people from the other person to your content. Mm. And it's really difficult to do. I've had the same argument with people before because I look at it like when you look at the sports here in America, like people that are fans of LeBron James are a fan of LeBron James. Yeah. Not, and they happen to become a fan of whatever team he's on. They're not a fan of that team. They're a fan of him. But it's the same thing with this podcast up. It's like personal branding now is so strong that people aren't looking to certain shows or platforms anymore. They're looking at certain people. That's where we are in podcasting now. And I think hosts have to catch up with that. And there was a time when it probably did work. There was a time, especially pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, when there weren't as many podcasting and we lived in a different era. And maybe these things were more effective. But I can tell you now, people are sick of an interview show to start with. 
people are oh. even more sick of a bad interview show. You know, just rocking up asking someone questions, especially questions that they've been asked a thousand times elsewhere. It's not even worth doing. People are people still treat podcasting as a second rate citizen, and they think, ah, oh, I know, I'll get access to this person. Other people will be interested in it. But if you interview LeBron James, like I know his whole story because he's right because he's LeBron James. I don't need you to make a podcast asking him those questions. And I'm not going to suddenly become a fan of you because you were the question asker. And you probably just let. <laughs> the que- Wait, I like the question asker. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's what 98% of shows are. You're just question askers. Yeah. There's this, I have a friend who's got a business where they do asynchronous podcasting, where you don't actually have a conversation like this. You record the questions, I record the answers separately, and it stitches it together. There are, there are so many people, it's called Rumble Studio. And there are so many people who should just do that with their podcasting, because that's all they're doing is just being question askers. And I mean, we can get on to later the importance of building a show with a strong narrative, with a strong why. But in answers to your question no it's it just doesn't work there are outliers there are always examples and the biggest shows have the biggest talent and that's often because they're friends outside of podcasting or there are yes. once you get into that world with the outliers and i'm talking about this like 0.1 percent of high engaged audience talent they have a different set of rules that they play by you can't yeah. copy them I say this all the time in the podcast and you look at me like I'm crazy. It's you want to show up and like post about your show once a week. You can't do that because you don't have the kind of credibility to move that way. Like you don't have the notoriety and the interview strategy works for somebody like Joe Rogan because every person he interviews is a celebrity. Everybody wants to hear from and it's amazing stories. And I'm sure you've heard people in the past say to you. Yeah, but Joe Rogan and I'm like, whoa, yeah, but. Joe Rogan, who gets 100 million downloads a month and has made 1,900 and something episodes, which is one a week, one a day, every day for like eight years or something crazy. You aren't in that realm. That's like saying, yeah, but LeBron James about my basketball skills. <laughs> it's not, what are we talking about? It just doesn't fit. So I do think that's one of the beliefs that podcasters have that they just need to let go of. If I interview now, I do, I will say this. I believe if you interview the right people in a specific market, Mm -hmm. that could have an impact on your show. If you have a show that's a very niche specific show, you have a show about fishing and you interview somebody that won the fishing championships last year. If you, if you have a show about golf and you interview the runner up even to the masters that could really help your show but you have to get somebody that's clearly up here and i don't want to get too deep too fast because i'm sure you've got questions but when someone says to me oh i'm going to interview this person the red flag for me is you just haven't designed a good podcast in fact you haven't designed a podcast at all i'd imagine and then you Mm. very quickly just discover that what they have is an idea or their impression of what a podcast is not an actual good idea for a show there are like you you are right in saying that there are niches there are circumstances when it might be interesting to have someone amazing or well known on that podcast but you need a whole framework for your own show around that to get benefit from it i make a i the production company i run is currently making a tennis podcast and we've got Roger Federer coming on the show so that goes against 
what I'm mm. saying. And it's an uh, it's a it's not a well known person who hosts the show, but he's had this opportunity, and that will be really exciting, and we will benefit from it. But we're not asking Roger Federer cliched questions. We're asking him a really specific why. We're talking to him about what he does every day to be one percent better, which is a thing that people aren't necessarily talking to Roger Federer about. So we've got an interesting angle with which to approach the conversation. We've got a reason for him to be there. And there's a reason that he's relevant. One of my biggest bugbears is people not considering relevance. I've sat Mm. in many a conversation where people just shout random names of people at, and I'm like, but why is he relevant to your podcast? Why, why this person? What are you talking about that makes this person relevant? And if, Another great classic example is Richard Branson. I've recorded with Richard Branson three times. Richard Branson's story is also extremely well-known, well-documented. He has done the press circuit to within an inch of his life. So if you want him <laughs> on your podcast now, you need to ask him something different. No one cares. I think it even takes something different to get that guest because if you just reach out, hey, I want you to come on the podcast, it's so bland and they hear it all the time. You want to take a different approach. So we, we got that down. When Guesting, you, that's so high true, quality guests. So true, by yeah. the way, because when you say to Roger Federer, when, the other question people ask me is, how do I get big guests? The answer to that is, well, have something interesting to say to them. So an example of that being, hey, Roger Federer, would you like to come on my podcast where I ask sports coaches and players what it is that is the secret to them becoming one percent better every day and roger federer goes yeah that sounds cool i'll talk about that because i don't want to talk about how many grand slams i've won and answer all those cliched questions again but i'd love to come and talk about this because i'm actually interested in it i do think that there's a position or opportunity in every market to have a podcast that does that thing you're talking about is you can blow up in any market if you're willing to do the work to really become a good interviewer. That's all we're talking about here, to be honest, is just being better at interviewing, right? If you get better at interviewing, you ask better questions, the conversation flows smoother. I think that comes with time and effort. For me, I also took the time to study other interviewers that I like. Even some people that are infamous, like people love to hate them, they still could be really good interviewers. Some people, they have a bad reputation or whatever, but they're really good at their job of interviewing because they get information out of the guests that we haven't heard before, that we're really interested to learn about. I think that's what makes a good interview is extracting that information that the audience is interested in. If you ask a question that the person listening in their car wanted to ask, now you're good at interviewing. That makes you stand out from everybody else. And even that guest on your show is going to be like, wow, this is a great conversation. Let me refer you to somebody else. And that creates a lot of other opportunities. That's personally what happened for me multiple times. I can't even count how many times this happened now. And I also think to go back to something we were talking about earlier on, I agree with that. And it's also what allows you to go from being question asker to host because I joke about question asking because it's a bit insulting, but it's to make a point. One of my, one of the things that I would always look for early on in talking to someone about their podcast is why you, why are you making this show? What makes you relevant to be the host of this show? Mm. I often get pitched business podcasts as I'm sure has happened to you. Yeah. And the number of times I say, well, I could host this. 
Anyone could host this. Why is this relevant to you? Why do you need to be here? Why as a listener would I be interested in your take on the questions that you're asking? What value are you bringing to this conversation that means you need to be here that takes you from being question asker to being host? LeBron James is well positioned to make content about basketball because he has a good solid set of credentials and experience and specialism within the space. So I want to hear his opinion in the conversation as much as the guests. And that makes LeBron super relevant. But if LeBron said, I'm just going to make a sports show, or if LeBron said, I love golf, I don't want to make a podcast about basketball, I want to make a podcast about golf. Why? What do you know about golf? Yeah, loads of famous people, so you could go and get them on your show about golf. But why do I want to hear LeBron James interview Tiger Woods about golf? He doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, that's a really... When you scale that down to people where it's not so blindingly obvious, it's <laughs> happening all over the place all the time. Like, why are you here? And when you ask that question of why, they always go to, I want to make money and stuff like that, which I don't think is bad. But I think we got to take a step back and look at the overall purpose. So we are totally off the script here, which I like. I think that the conversation is better that way. When it comes to getting guests and stuff like that. So do you tell your clients that they shouldn't prioritize guests? Because I know this next question that I would get that I have gotten is if I don't interview people, then what type of content am I creating? I don't. So then you got to go into that. So if you say, what guests shall I get? Or if you, I don't have these conversations in our product. We don't have these conversations in our production company because we don't build shows based around guests because that's just a dreadful idea from start to finish. You have no substance to your show. The conversation goes along the lines of what are your goals? Who's your audience? I'm simplifying this. Why are you relevant to be making content for this audience? What journey do you want to take them on? How are your episodes going to connect together? What is the topic of the episodes? And now who and how might you tell that story? Mm. What journey, like often a real simple version is you bring someone, someone comes to, to us and will say, I make a podcast about tennis. Perfect example. We'll just use it because this is how this person came to be. The production company I run specializes in taking shows that have done maybe 5, 10, 50, 100, 200 episodes. It doesn't really matter, but they've started. They've learned to drive, as it were. They've done the foundation, yeah. They're not asking me what an RS feed is or what the best host is or what microphone, (laughs) because I don't know and I don't care. And they've tried making episodes and they've massaged their ego and they've told their mates and they've designed cover art. And now they're like, oh, this is quite hard, isn't it? That's when we tend to start a conversation with them. And take this tennis podcast. He'd made 200 episodes, was doing 3,000 downloads an episode. Good show. He's like, I need more. I want more. I'm like, okay, tell me about your show. And he's like, I interview guests. I interview coaches and players. And I'm like, okay, what connects the episodes together? Tennis. Cool. Why are you relevant? <laughs> I got a tennis company and I was once a semi-pro tennis player. Okay, so you're relevant. Okay, what what you're basically doing is having one night stands with your listeners. Wow, that's a, a really good way to put it. You've got a guest and you're sharing that conversation with your listener. 
there's nothing about the last episode. There's nothing about the next episode. There's no connection between the episodes apart from you've spoken to a tennis player about tennis. Next week, you're going to talk to someone else. The week after, right? There are two, there are two uh, stakeholders in a podcast, you as the host and the audience. They're the only people who turn up every episode. When you reframe your podcast and a simple way of doing it is by figuring out what journey you're going on, we took this show and we said, okay, it's about tennis, but what's it really about? Hmm. Cut a long story short, we got into the why, like why are you doing it? What makes a difference? What's important? A great question. How does this end? So many people make a podcast as if they're committing to it forever. Like when you start a business, if I asked you what the outcome of your business is, you'd probably say, whatever, you've got an answer, right? You've considered how it ends. Yeah. Most people, when you ask them how their podcast ends, they say, I don't know, I've never thought about it. I'm just going to be Joe Rogan and do it into infinity for the rest of my life, which is a crazy (laughs) ass idea. You know, when you start saying, okay, how do you think it might end? Because you aren't going to do this forever, are you? That's silly. They go, well, when I sell the business, it'll end. Or when I, my goal is to interview LeBron James, once I've done that, I've done everything I want to do with the show or whatever their answer might be, then you start to get a framework. So then you can, for example, say, I'm going on a journey to discover, blah. so take the tennis podcast. He had this whole thing within his business and within what interested him and his own passions that we don't need to cover now, all about how you become 1% better every day. So we reframed it as, right, we're going on a journey to discover, you're going on a journey to get tips from other great people, coaches and players within tennis to learn about becoming 1% better every day and what the best tips and techniques are. And then you become as the host, the voice of the listener. So then the listener comes on the journey with you. So then it becomes so much easier for you to refer to last episode, refer to the next ones, future ones. It makes sense. You can go, ah, I learned this week. So next week I'm going to do this or next week I'm going to do that. Mm, A great example of this. It's so funny that you put this together that way. That it's crazy. I, this is insane. I'm because. launching a new show, and that's my exact framework. Is I don't want to host a show forever. I'm just hosting the show to learn more about startups, and I want to take the listeners on the journey with me so they can learn as I learn. I got episodes that I call startup definitions, where we cover one specific defini- definition that's popular in the startup world. So I love that you have this framework of a structure of the path from like you going from home to the end destination and along the way are different episodes that could be interviews it could be solo content i love that that's a great setup to where your show really doesn't get stale or boring that i agree that you need to have people to help you tell a story like monologue podcasts one man podcasts are hard work they involve a lot of energy a lot of effort and they're a skill and having other people to help you tell that story definitely makes sense. But understanding why you've got a guest to help you with a mission of your piece of content is so much greater and more powerful than the other way around, which is where you've just got a guest for the sake of having them. I'm going to give you an example. Everyone who's made a podcast has experienced the difference between a good guest and a bad guest. They've experienced the difference between someone who's working with them and someone who's working against them. Someone who derails every conversation because they just mentioned their own company name or their own agenda, or they're not working for the audience. They're just working for self-promotion. And then they've experienced someone who wants to have a conversation. 
I talk a lot. I know that. Which, so I can become conscious of letting you share the conversation, share the episode with me. But there are people who don't have that. Now, yeah. I'm not going to tear you apart, but like I could derail this entire podcast. I can say whatever I want. You've got no hope, no control over what I say. We did no research call. I don't know the questions. I don't know your next question. I don't know the direction. I can derail this completely. Then what are you going to do? You're fucked. Mm. You just wasted an hour and I've had total control. Are you going to post it? Are you going to let me down? What if I was a big deal? You Right? So you're much better to go, James, I want to have a conversation with you about X. And this is a light framework of what it's going to be about. And I wanted to cover this topic and this topic. Are you up for it? Yes. I know then I'm going on that direction to make a topic, a conversation about this. From your listener's perspective, they know what the last episode was. And this episode can therefore have some connection in terms of topic to the last one. And you can leave this episode leading to the next one. And I was just here to help you fill in the blanks in your relationship building and your education and your problem that you're solving with your listener, because that's the only thing that matters. I'm immaterial to this story. Whereas what you've done is just left it wide open for me to say whatever I fucking want at this point. And, I like the, and uh, people the, the play along. People play along in the trust exercise. They, like you trust me to work with you. But as it scales up and as you get bigger guests and all the rest of it. It is not always like that. That is very true. It's not always like that. And so some of the guests are like chaotic. And I've had those guests that are like, I'm going to talk about my book for an hour straight. And like, so, that's why, oh. so that's why I'm a big believer that you need to work on your topics and then find guests because then you can have any guest you want. And it's so much easier to contact someone, especially if it's maybe someone you look up to, someone you're a fan of, someone who's big in the industry and say, hey, I'd love to talk about this thing. Would you come on my show? Oh. Not just, I want to tell your origin story for the thousandth time. Do you want to go through it? Yeah. And I will say this about that part is I love the topic idea because, again, I think everybody should plan out their episodes three months at a time. Like instead of trying to do yeah. an interview every week, take three months to plan out those topics, whether you're doing solo content or interviews, then you can go to LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever social platform you love personally. Find the people that are relevant in your space that cover that topic and then invite them on the show, because now it all, like you said, it ties together. And if you have planned out three months of content that way, you can go through a burst of a month of producing all that content and then schedule out your episodes and focus on the marketing while episodes are going live and, and producing a whole nother season. So, so frameworks thing. in podcasting are so important, man. I, I agree completely. And here's another thing that really bugs me about the way people make podcasts and I think can really help so many people. It's not taking risks. It's more like being brave in terms of the questions you ask and the conversations that you have with your guests. So it's all well and good getting a guest, getting them on, and then there's the classic, okay, so tell me where you were born and where did you go to school and right, whatever you want to ask. Yeah. It's cool. It doesn't matter. You get the idea. If you start to think about your relationship with your audience and the journey that you're going on and what you want to find out and the fact that they're coming with you and you build a relationship with them, you can then start to be a bit braver in the content you mean and you make. And what I mean by that is you can change up the style of content. So you might do that classic, what I would refer to as origin story in a few episodes. But it might be that you come up with an idea, a theme, a topic, a, there might be something trending 
that's culturally relevant and you want to try a different style. So you might do like a quick fire situation or you might do a solo episode or you might do a short episode or you might do a long episode or you might have two guests or you might do it whilst riding a bike. It doesn't really matter, but it might become relevant to the theme of that episode. And then you might discover if you did something slightly different to the thing that you do all the time, that you get a different result. And that result could be as good as everyone assumes if they change, it will go bad. And I argue when you change it, it will probably go well because you've also experienced a thing where they go, oh my God, yeah, but I'm a bit bored recording my own podcast. Fuck me, if you're bored, (laughs) guess what? Your listeners are not paying attention. If you're bored, it's just nobody's listening to you. (laughs) So by not just basing it on the guest and having the fear you ask him a different question, often by thinking about your relationship with your listener and where you might take them next in your relationship, it allows you to market better, to build deeper engagement, to talk directly to them, to try different types of content, to live on the edge, to be brave. And all these things create great results. Even if you were to watch a TV show, like if you go and watch series one of Friends, the TV show, that show is not the same in season 10 as it is in season one. Very first episode, it starts with the in- the intro. There's no like 40 second intro sequence and then the t- theme music. It just starts with the theme music. And it like it evolved as the yeah. first few episodes were made in the season. Most people's podcasts are just rigid. This is what I do. This is how I do it. Done. And I can say one thing, I, one reason why I only work with a certain type of client now in terms of production and launching whatever it is i don't like that part of what you just said of i have it this way and i don't want to make any changes to it or i know this person that does their show this way and they get good results so i want to follow their system and i do think that implementing different things into your show is how you create a show that stands out because if you just look at what everybody else does and you do what they do that doesn't have any of you in it you need personality you need something that people can connect to Like, I think storytelling is important, but I don't think that we focus on storytelling in the right way. It's usually, I'm going to tell a story that makes me look good, makes me sound like a hero. Sometimes people want to hear the story about how you got your car repoed or how you got evicted from your apartment or how you failed in business. Those are the stories that people can connect with because it's more relatable. If I talk about my startup making a hundred grand in the first 90 days, that's a great story. But that's not something that people always relate to. So if I tell that story every single week, I'm going to lose my audience. But if I can tell them, look, man, this is how I lost all these episodes when I first started podcasting. Or this is how many times I've sat down to record and my microphone was on mute, right? Telling better stories, I think, is a huge part, a huge way we can improve podcasting, man. Telling stories and identifying characters are another two big topics that I tend to talk about a lot when working with podcast creators or just creators in general, to be honest. And so I'll break that down for you. Once you've established goals, and when I talk about goals, I'm talking about your motivations and your ambitions because everything needs to align with those. What are you trying to do? Why are you trying to do it? Why is it enjoyable to you? All that kind of stuff. Once you know that, and then you really actually understand your audience And by say, understand, I'm talking about writing listener personas the same way that you would if you were starting a business and you do that, here's my target audience page on your business plan. You need to do that for your podcast too. 
Because if you don't know who you're trying to target, where they live, what they're interested in, what their problems are, you're never going to be able to market never. to them. And if you don't know that before you design your show, if you do that after you've designed your show, you're nuts because you can like your podcast and think it's interesting and that's great. Like the number of people who say, oh, I have these really interesting conversations. I thought it would be really great to make a podcast about it. I'm like, no, bro, go have those conversations at the pub. That's cool. <laughs> you, right? And if you want to meet an interesting, if you want to meet your hero, the chances are you could just phone them up and say, hey, can we chat? Can we hang out on LinkedIn for 15 minutes? They're more likely to do that than the rigmarole of a podcast. Everyone else is also interested in conversations with people, but no one else cares about anyone else. That's the punchline, right? No one cares about you. Yeah, exactly. So once you've established those two things, the next thing to establish is the characters in your show. Who? Are you, what's the character that you play as a host? And I'm not talking about being a fake version of yourself. I'm talking about understanding your relevance for the show, your origin story, your values, your expertise, and how they fit into the podcast. And this is important because people play a character, they play a version of themselves that is considered. Like podcast work, James, he swears a bit. He's direct. I have a tight origin story of how I got here. I can describe what I'm focused on in one sentence. And these are all considered because it makes my digital footprint consistent. It makes me memorable. I try to be a bit obnoxious to be memorable. It's all part of the story, right? It's part of what makes doing this kind of thing work. It's not accidental. So designing a character for yourself that suits what you're trying to achieve is a really important piece of the puzzle. If you understand- I, I got some questions on that. Yeah. Because hmm, when you say character, I like that word. Because yeah. when you said character, it, made it, it immediately made me think of a cartoon character. Like you can design that. You can choose a name for it. You can have its own motivations. Like the coyote is always trying to chase, trying to chase him down, right? That's always coyote chasing a bird nonstop. That's like his thing. So will you suggest a podcaster have a, have that character for themselves and give it a name and give it a whole breakdown of this is a mission of this character and all of that? I think you should still be you, but people at these, let's use an, real, some real life examples to make this easier because people get confused with this, right? And it, you can take this as far or as not far as you want. And the reality here is that people love stories, right? People love characters and they love stories. It's been around since the beginning of time. The Bible is full of stories. It's full of characters. They go on journeys. That's what it's all about. Modern day Harry Potter is a wizard. He goes on a journey. There's goodies and baddies. You know the characters. That's what you warm to. Disney, characters, all the same. Podcasts, apparently, and this whole personal brand thing, people have got really confused about. They're like, oh, man, I need to be authentic, whatever, whatever that means. I need to be real. You need to be real, but you need to be a considered version of real. It's much easier for other people to understand you and remember you if you've thought through what your messaging is, right? Example, Gary Vaynerchuk. Everyone's comfortable with who he is at this point, I think. Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk has a character. He even calls it the character of Gary V. You can tell me Gary V's origin story in five, it, like everyone knows it. Grew up in the Soviet Union, 
came to the US, really grateful, loves his parents. They're his only mentor, started his dad's wine business, turned it from six to 60 million. You know, because he says the same five-step origin story every single time. He talks about the same things. He talks about kindness and empathy and whatever else it is, his keywords, right? The same yeah. messages all the time. It works. You compound the same messages over and over. You become memorable. You stand out. He's very clear about things he likes and things he dislikes. That he likes the Jets. He wants to buy the team. He likes, <laughs> like, garage sailing. He dislikes the Patriots. He dislikes, laz like, laziness. He believes that hard work, like, beats everything else. He believes in brand over sales. It's just a whole bunch of defined metrics for a character of Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk, when he's talking to his six-year-old kid, probably isn't the same guy, you would assume. He's also made a conscious decision that his character doesn't share his personal life. He doesn't talk about his kids, his wife, his family. That's a conscious decision. Logan Paul. We'll use him as an example. There's a character of Logan Paul, and then there's a real-life version of Logan Paul. KSI, yeah. he has that ridiculous laugh. You meet him in real life, he's kind of quiet and reserved and a... Right? They made a documentary about KSI that's on Amazon that makes you see what he's like as a real person. And it isn't the same as the character you see that made him famous and have 20 million YouTube subscribers. And this story goes on and on. People have a character that they play. Their tone of voice is defined. What's your tone of voice that suits the kind of content that you're making? What are the key phrases that you use? All this kind of stuff. What's the journey that you're going on? All this kind of stuff helps people to remember you, helps you to know what you're saying and what you're not saying. Then you know how to answer questions. A great example is, what are the examples you always use? I always use Gary Vaynerchuk as an example, right? But if you mm. constantly, if you go and do 10 interviews and I say LeBron in one and Lionel Messi in the next and Elton John in the next and a bar, like it's not consistent. Yeah, I like the, I like personally to write this stuff down. Like yeah. I actually literally write this down because yeah. if I want to talk about certain pain points for even my ideal customers on my show, I like to use examples that I've experienced that I know they can relate to, that they mm -hmm. understand. When you do that, like you said, multiple times across multiple episodes, and if you have a whole season themed around a specific topic, for me, that's how I reach profitability. Like I set aside a whole season to talk about this specific topic the problems, the pain points, and the solutions and benefits for my ideal listeners who are my ideal customers for my business. So now my podcast is the first area that they run into me and get to know more about me and my experiences. I get to teach them something that's not, like you said, in that boring way. I'm not relying on guests and talking their head off. Yeah, It's just, it's so different. So before we wrap up here, I had a few other questions on the the marketing of a podcast just a few more we'll go rapid fire with these so oh. do you believe that audiograms are still valuable for podcasters to market their show still valuable never were never valuable in the first place <laughs> Look, i'm arguing with so many podcasters never about this. ever it, they were never distinctive it was never enough to like really drive next, home your brand next, or anything next don't give them so, don't give them airtime <laughs> okay what about podcast swaps Yes. Yes. Okay. We got a yes. Okay. And if you don't know, if you're listening, you don't know what a podcast swap is. That is when you take a 
take the time to find other podcasters in your market or industry that have your ideal listeners. You market your show on theirs and they market their show on yours and you guys swap promotions. That's I'll all tell it is. You, Nothing I'll tell you my hesitation. Like 100% yes, absolutely. And when we work on a big show with a big budget, the marketing, my, the marketing team, I made a show last year, the marketing team spent $150,000 an episode basically doing podcast swaps. But they're wow. buying ad space in other podcasts, which is, becomes the equivalent, right? Because it works. My hesitation is because my sense of your audience, it's going to be tricky because so many people don't understand it. They don't understand what to do. They're not set up for it. Like you need to get the other person. You're going to have to do a whole load of education and grind in order to do podcast swaps that probably outweighs the effort or the effort probably outweighs the return right now. I think that Lauren Purcell at Tink Media with her pod swap database is a good place to go if you're set up. If you want to do your own dynamic ad insertion, then I'm a big fan of Captivate.fm because you can run your own dynamic ads for 19 bucks a month, I think it is, which is all your hosting. So in terms of a salute, an affordable solution for that, big fan of that because doing it through dynamic ad insertion will be the easiest way for you to do it at scale. I love the idea of people working with their competitors and collaborating. But as yes. I say, my hesitation is that not enough people understand what it is and you're going to be on an uphill education battle to get it going. I love that. I love that. All right, man. This was a really, this is a really interesting conversation. I love interviews like this because it doesn't feel like an interview. It's more like a real conversation that, is answering questions for an audience. And for me, the focus of my podcast is so different now. It, it goes from the whole glitz and glamour thing and what's pretty to like, how can you as a host actually improve your show? Let's talk about what it takes to be better at podcasting. Not equipment and all of that BS, not the best microphone or camera. Let's talk about how you can actually be better at what you do. Yeah, man, this was a great conversation. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you for making the space to have these important conversations. Like we've talked about the, the the deep, dirty, important, hard work side of podcasting. And I love that. Not just glossing over the top. Like we've only, we could have talked for hours about this as you, as, as I think that it's important that there are people out there offering this kind of stuff for hosts. It's about going back to the basics and looking at your goals, looking at who you are as a character, what journey you're going on and what's your relationship with your audience and who is your audience? Like, actually, who are they? Write me three personas down of your three target audiences and then explain to yourself how you're solving their problems and marketing to them where they're at and giving them something of interest to them. Otherwise, they're not going to listen and you're not going to grow. I Only two ways to grow. Words from James, everybody. <laughs> Only two ways to grow your show, right? Number one, same people listen to more episodes. Very small growth. Number two, find new people to listen to your show. In order to do that, you need to know what they look like. I love it, mic drop moment, man. Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you.